Hi, welcome back to the Inspectigators. This is Rory. This is Croc. And on this week's episode, we are covering the Devil's Sea. Yes, also known as the Dragon's Triangle. Oh, okay. fancy. So let's just hop right in. So basically, we're going to go over the history of the Devil's Sea. So the Devil's Sea is kind of like our version of, not our version. <laughs> the Japanese version. The Japanese version of the Bermuda Triangle. So it's kind of shaped like a scaling triangle, um, and it's located near, you know, Japan, obviously, and um, some islands that are out near Japan. And so the shape of it isn't, um, you know, fully defined, but people tend to just go off, you know, this, like, very thin triangle um, near the coast of Japan. The fact that you specified that it was scaling, though. <laughs> you have to make sure you know what triangle you're talking about. You got an isosceles, you got a scalene, you got an equilateral, you got a right triangle. What do you got? Joe, give me the right triangle. Okay, so continuing on. So, the Japanese have a word for bad waters, or um, it, like, literally translates into, like, evil sea or troublesome sea, and, um... Rory will pronounce it. Um, the word is Manoumi. Yes, because I am incompetent at pronouncing things or uh, accents. <laughs> As seen by our previous episode. Yeah. So it's usually used to describe dangerous marine locations and around the world or near, you know, Japan. So this means that, you know, multiple locations use this description, and it, this is not just the only location that uses this description. So, to get more into the dates, um, on 1955, uh, the year 1955, on January 4th, a Japanese ship went missing, and people then dubbed the area as, you know, uh, Manoumi until it was found then on the 15th. You lose one <laughs> ship, and suddenly this whole no. section... <laughs> uh, then, but let me, like, clarify why it was called that because there have been multiple reports before this ship this was the ship that caused it to get more attention because this area has been an area of notice for a little while because this was a ship they sent out to find um, people that had gone missing previously Uh. i was just bringing to light the main um ship that went missing that caused the people to start calling it that so before that ship, other ships have been lost to the same area. It was around, I think it was 1950 to 1954 that around nine ships went missing, all within like, you know, pretty good weather, perfect weather, but they just went missing. And that's when in 1955, that ship was sent out. And when it disappeared, everyone was like, ah, shoot. Nine ships in four years? Yeah. That's a lot. That, yeah, now you understand why that ship was... um. A little, a little, it was a little funky. Nessie swam her way over from Scotland <laughs> and like hopped herself in the ocean and went, mm, snack time. She went, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat all these sailors. <laughs> it's me, Nessie. <laughs> I've come for your children. Why does Nessie kind of sound like Kermit? Oh no. Uh, what, are you telling me Kermit isn't Nessie? Conspiracy no. theory. Conspiracy theory, Kermit is Nessie. Yeah. So it called the New York Times and American Press called it the Devil's Sea after the nine ships went missing. And then in 1974, um, an American paranormal writer, Charles Berlitz, introduced the Devil's Sea in his book, The Bermuda Triangle. So he covers the missing cases in the 1950 to 1954 and claim that several modern ships and several hundred crew members were lost without a trace within the 1950s and 1954. Then, as the first ship that I talked about in 1955, uh, the Japanese government sent the Kayo Maru No. 5 to the sea for investigating the unexplained ship loss. But then it got lost as well and then was rediscovered in on the 15th of January. After that incident, for a while, the Japanese government had that area labeled as a danger zone. So, 
there is a lot of criticism and book writing that went on around this um, subject of interest. So we had that first guy writing about, you know, the Bermuda Triangle, uh, the Devil's Sea, a lot of these um, paranormal instances around the sea. And so then in 1975, um, another author, uh, he wasn't an author at the time, but he was a librarian and then he became an author. Larry Kush published The Bermuda Triangle Mystery Salt, which basically debunked the sea, the Devil's Sea legend. And so Kush sent letters to the government office, which were, um, you know, related to marine stuff. And not many people knew much about the Devil's Sea or the danger area that had been talked about in the first book the guy published. There was another actual danger zone where the Marine Time Safety Agency of Japan were not to approach was about 10 miles off or, you know, a different location. And so basically a lot of the issues relating to the stuff is based around undersea volcanoes and volcanic activity around the area. That can cause issues with currents and um, heating up of the waters, which can cause ships to sink um, suddenly and rapidly. One of the other eight lost ships were also accounted for when he contacted the Marine Agency. And it also talks about how he found out that a lot of the ships that were lost were uh, fishing boats or boats with not a lot of good radio connection. And that the weather wasn't perfect, except for a couple that were perfect. A lot of the uh, information about the boating stuff, the incidents with the nine boats in the last boat, a lot of stuff is disputed because you can get sources that saying that the it was, you know, nine good boats just lost per perfectly good weather. And you get other places saying that, no, the weather wasn't perfect. And so a lot of stuff will cross-reference each other. And some of these sinkings happened outside of the defined area of the Dragon Sea, or where it should be, because a lot of people argue where this sea should be, you know. It's not a defined... Some people called it a parallelogram. So instead of being a triangle, that it was like a square, a slightly, you know... A slightly slanted square. Yeah, we slightly made slanted made a rhombus, everybody. Guys, we got a danger rhombus over here. We said geometry class, <laughs> but dragons... Yeah, Kush also argued that the ship also carried less people than stated before, how the previous guy stated it carried over 100 personnel, whereas um, Kush states that it carried around 31 people. I mean... Who is checking the manifests and the, cr the crew logs for these ships? Like, yeah, it sounds like they're not doing a good job. I mean, this did have to happen back in, like, the 50s. They're still... We have manifests and crew logs from, like, the 1700s. I know. I don't know why... Probably because they were smaller ships. But if you have a... It doesn't matter. You should, unless your crew is like... Mate, yeah, call out the incompetence. People. Call it out. Because <laughs> there's a huge difference between we have 100 people and we have 31. Like... Yeah, it's a difference of about 70. Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going back to the 1952... To the 1952. The specific 1952. So the Japanese sent a vessel into the Dragon's Triangle to investigate the disappearances of the boating ships. The islands, which were also known as... Please pronounce that for me. They were also known as the Agasawara Islands. Mm -hmm. And that's the island that forms the southern eastern tip of the triangle from the Japanese coast. Oh, so do we think there's something fishy on these islands? We can now. Good idea. Oh, oh, <laughs> look what I did. Yeah. Back in 1952, the Japanese sent a vessel, which was called the... Kayomaru. I was going to pronounce it correctly. So proud. Okay, <laughs> so the Kayomaru, they were basically sending out to investigate the disappearance of the ships, and they were sending it out near the 
islands that we are previously mentioned that I'm not going to try to pronounce due to my um, amazing pronunciation of things. That would be the Agasawara. Agasawara. So this was a ship that was previously claimed to have around, you know, 100 people on board when in reality it had a crew of 31. So they were going to check around the area surrounding these islands and then it sank on September 24th in 1952 with everyone on board passing away due to it sinking so fast due to volcanic activity underneath the water, which causes um, the water around the ship to heat up to a level that will cause um, you the know, buoyancy level to the change. The buoyancy level to change and the, sh- the ship will sink um, very rapidly and you don't really have a chance to survive that. Okay, so, so if they know that that's why the ship sank, then why are they like, oh, all the ships keep getting lost. Oh no. There's a lot of things where it's, we know kind of know what's going on but oh oh superstition oh my god i forgot i always forgot how superstitious sailors are oh oh yeah (laughs) like i always forget the level of superstition in marine stuff is um you don't question it or else no you don't but it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely so going back to how i you know a lot of the stuff we've talked around has only been centered around the 50s and you know kind of like 50s and 70s you know so, Kush did some research and um, other stuff. And there's also another man, um, Daniel Cohen, who in 1974 published a book called Curses, Hexes, and Spells. <laughs> a viable yeah, and... This is super credible. Because <laughs> he's trying to look back on the history of a lot of superstitious stuff. And so, the legends and the superstition are surrounding the Dragon's Triangle or, you know the danger zone goes back a long time like for centuries in japan and not a lot of stuff can be found on it though like you have the main stuff and like this it appears in this like you know novel or history or in the the 1700s you know but other than that you get almost no info and basically in like books newspapers and magazines stuff almost nothing comes up and it wasn't really you know investigated or put thought into until very recently mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting i mean if you look probably more into the bermuda triangle it's probably the same kind of thing but it's pretty fairly recent in terms of being coined and being termed i mean you have it's basically like the area itself has been you know an area of like you know not good sailing and stuff for a long time and you can find that kind of stuff in past scripts and like records and all that but it wasn't really like dubbed or named until very recently well i think you also have to keep in mind that like unlike the bermuda triangle which has had a ton of stuff go missing and oh, has yeah. like repeat occurrences this one has at most 10 including the most recent ship mm-hmm. that disappeared and then came back mm-hmm. so it's not like i think this one's more of a fun thing you know like like it's like well it definitely has a more fun name that's for sure <laughs> very like true the devil's sea or the dragon sea or the yeah, dragon's dragon triangle. triangle yeah like that's way more fun than the bermuda triangle you know i always thought the bermuda triangle would be much more of an issue you like, know, I did too. I was like, oh my god, we have to watch out for the Bermuda Triangle when we travel, mom. I've never left the country. Like, I don't have to worry about the Bermuda Triangle at all. Seriously, it's like one of those things you're like, people talked about it so much, or like it just got mentioned so much. You're like, oh, when I'm older, I'm gonna have to deal with the Bermuda Triangle. Like quicksand. Yeah. You like always quicksand. think quicksand is gonna be a problem in life, and then you realize quicksand is almost never a problem. Right? And like, you're like, okay, I know how to get into quicksand, I know how to avoid this, 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 and this, and then it's like, okay, I need none of this. How do I do taxes? <laughs> I know how to get out of quicksand, but you haven't taught me how to do taxes. What are you doing? Yeah, basically. Okay, so more theories. The main, obviously, elemental stuff that's gonna be affecting it 
But the most common one, and to get a little scientific, is the methane hydrates present on the bottom of the ocean in the area that is the Dragon's Triangle. So methane hydrate gas will explode when it rises above um, 18 degrees Celsius or 64 degrees Fahrenheit. It'll explode? Yes. Or explode, which is like, in, it's in parentheses, which means it probably just causes a highly reactive reaction. So it's kind of like the, the formation of, you know, the methane deposits kind of look like ice-like deposits that break off from the bottom and can rise mm-hmm. up to the top and will form bubbles on the surface of the water. And so these gas eruptions or these little, like, tiny explosions can cause um, interrupt buoyancy mm-hmm. and can sink a ship and can leave no debris. You know, it just the ship goes whoop, right back down to the floor. Oh, so it's one of those things when people are like, oh, yeah, homie, the sea ate the, or the, how am I going to say this? Oh, yeah, homie, the ocean ate the ship. Yeah. It's like the water just opened up and ate it, right? Yeah, it's like one of those things, and that's probably why it's mentioned in these, all these other, like, older texts, but not, you know, dubbed as a name, because this probably happened back in, like, the 1700s. Like, this, the ocean just kind of went, I'm going to eat you now. And so that's why it was probably mentioned. And then as it happened, like, you know, a bit too often that those couple of years, it got dubbed the Dragon's Triangle or, mm. you know, the Devil's Sea is because of this the... It's like a serpent was eating it. Yeah. And it's also a little bit characteristic of this area, you know, with these islands for new islands to appear or for mm. old islands to disappear due to the level of volcanic activity and the creation of this these, these crystals. And as I said in the very beginning, the perimeter and the size of what is considered the uh, Devil's Sea is debated upon and... Since it isn't on any official map or record, because it's it's kind of like the Bermuda Triangle, where it's like because yeah. it's a scaling triangle. Because it's a scaling triangle. <laughs> Here's another theory. The first theory that I'm talking about, I, I believe the most because it's pretty logical and how that would happen. Uh, other issues like hot and cold currents crossing um, different vertices and you know uh, current levels in the ocean can cause disturbances that leads to ships, you know, being thrown off their thrown off their vibe, you know. <laughs> The ocean vibe checked it. <laughs> it failed. It sank. Yeah. If you're on a ship and you feel a vibe check, they throw you out. They, they say, we're going to eat you now. I was saying they throw you in the ocean, but I oh, mean... you know. Vibe check. So, how do you feel about these theories and hypotheses? I think one of my favorites... I have two favorites. The one about the volcanic eruption mm-hmm. and the change in heat causing the buoyancy issue. Yeah. I feel like that's very plausible. Um, because, you know, stuff like that happens. And if you don't know it's there, mm-hmm. you're just like going about your day on your little ship. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, the ship is sinking. And yeah. that's not good. We going down. I'm yelling to bar. <laughs> um, but my the other one that I really like is the one about the methane deposits, I think you said. Mm-hmm. That was on the bottom of the ocean floor because that would just, again make it look like the ocean was eating it. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting idea. And I'm sh- I think I've read it somewhere in some myth where they were like, oh yeah, the ocean just ate the ship. Mm-hmm. And you know, that would explain it. I don't know if methane deposits can actually get that big, but maybe if you had enough of them as they're rising, like collect to each other. Mm-hmm. I like how logical that one is. Like, yeah. It's, it's just, it's methane, catharates, or methane hydrate gas. And it's very specific on how this happens, where it happens, and it just seems the most, well, not the most plausible, but a very easily plausible thing. Because, you know, it's going to disrupt the buoyancy, just like the heat. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a mixture of both the heat and oh, the methane true. posits, you're going to get a ship that's going down. Would the heat end up affecting the methane, though? Yeah, because that's what causes it to, quote unquote, explode or, you know, create bubbles. But if we heated it to more 
hot temperature than it, the ocean mm-hmm. is normally, mm-hmm. would it make it literally explode? So, update. We could not find the answer to our question, but we did learn that the methane bubbles that are under the ocean uh, can contribute to climate change because of them being trapped under the ice and the ice is melting. So, And the bubbles look really cool. They do. They're kind of like... Bubbles. Oh my god. <laughs> No, they they kind of, it's... They look almost like fish eggs when they're yes, smushed together. it looks very bubbly. <laughs> um, oh, man. What was your favorite theory, Grok? I think my favorite theory is that there's a giant sea monster under the ocean. Yes. That's contributing to global warming. No! <laughs> Larry the instigator. <laughs> and I think he likes to release this methane gas. It's him farting. Yeah, and he, he's like, hmm, I'm going to produce some uh, methane hydrates, and it, he just gives it off, and he just bubbly, you know? And so the, the sailors go, oh my gosh, bubbles. So they, they sail over to the bubbles, and then he comes out of the ocean and snatches them, and then uses their boat as a tith- to- toothpick. <laughs> Why are they investigating the bubbles? Would you not investigate the shag bubbles? Not even a true sailor. That's like Sailor Rule 101. That's how you die. And they were right. That's how they all died. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you have anything else for us hmm. for this episode? Did you say you had a pun? Ah, uh, yes. I do have a pun. I'm so glad you reminded me. Okay. So, bringing back a slightly shorter version of the pun territory from season one. Mm-hmm. When, a, when a sailor is teaching their son or daughter the alphabets, they go, it's not the devil's A. It's not the devil's B. It's the devil's C. Bumps. She came up with that one all by herself. I, I'm so proud of myself. I hope y'all like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anything else for us? Or is, are you are you satisfied? Oh, I am so satisfied. This, is, this has been a wonderful episode. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I hope you uh, like, comment, subscribe, and um, share. Comment down below. <laughs> we understand that this is a podcast and most of you are listening on Spotify and not YouTube. But if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and or iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Chable. I love Chables. Me too. Or on our YouTube channel, that would be greatly appreciated. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore Inspectigators or on Twitter at Inspectigators. And I think that's all we have for you today. Cool. Get rid of your free radicals. Um, take some antioxidants. Have a great evening, day, morning, dusk, dawn, whatever you're doing. And have a rad day. Yep. This is Rory signing off. This is Grok signing off. Peace, homies. Wap, 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 wap.